What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Belauchuk. Hello. And Jordan Belinsky. Howdy doody. For those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a week, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And uh, remember to stick around for contest details, but for the second time in a row, we have a winner for last month's contest, and that winner is Meep or Pashka D on Twitter. So congratulations to you, and uh, we'll be contacting contacting you through Twitter shortly. So, but in this month's episode, we are talking about the NES Classic and the Famicom, is it Famicom Mini? Famicom Mini, yes. Famicom Mini and NES Classic. So for those that don't know, this is a uh, pair of consoles that uh, Nintendo is, I guess, re-releasing, if you want to say. But basically, they each have 30 games on them. And they're tiny. And they're teeny tiny. tiny. Especially uh, the Famicom. Yeah, yeah it's a, and the Famicom comes with tiny controllers. That's the difference. So the NES Classic, it's um, basically, yeah, so they're the old consoles, the NES and the Famicom, and they're re-releasing teeny tiny versions of them preloaded with 30 games. So we thought in honor of that, in celebration of that, um, we would each pick four games from either the Famicom or the NES. Um, yeah, so I'll go first. And uh, for me, the first one is Dr. Mario. Woo. Which I think features on both, I believe. The Famicom so. and the and the NES Classic. I should know more things, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Mario is my first pick, and we're going to go with the track uh, of the Fever track, not the Chill track. Chill's, chill's awesome. <laughs> chill's great, too. You know what? I, I prefer Fever. They're both good. I prefer Fever. Off is actually a really good song, too. Have you heard Off? I don't know. Maybe. You, should, you should listen to Off. It's a good song. Okay. Okay. That's, anyways, anyways, that's in the track list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't track, tell if you're trolling me or not. Mean nothing to me. There's, there's Fever, Chill, Chill, and Off. Is Off just quiet? Yeah. Okay. I figured, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I figured you're trolling me. Anyways. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> developed by Nintendo Research and Development One, uh, published of course by Nintendo in the year 1990. So, um, yeah, we've addressed this a thousand times, but I'm young. I never played any of these games when they came out because I was one and two years old or not born yet. Um, so for the last uh, month or few weeks anyway, it's been a lot of uh, emulation for me. So I've been going back and playing these games, some some for the first time, some playing for the this second wasn't third Dr. Time. Mario for the first time. No, I have played Dr. Yeah. Mario before, but it's been a long time since I've played it. It was kind of one of those things where it was at a friend's house and we threw it in once maybe. So I've probably only played it before this once, maybe twice. I so, probably haven't played it since uh, WarioWare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I think they've re released a version of Dr. Mario over the years on several platforms. Yeah. And so, I the, play most of them. I, I'm a huge Dr. Mario fan. So. Okay. So, yeah. The cool thing about Dr. Mario, uh, oh, just before we go there, uh, the music was by Hiro or Hiroku, Hirokazu. Hirokazu Tanaka. There we go. Uh, and yeah. So, yeah. Like you said, so the game has been ported, remade, or had a sequel on every single Nintendo home console since the NES and most portable consoles, including the Game Boy Advance on the uh, classic NES series, which mm-hmm. we all remember. Um, so yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's that It's cool. pretty prolific that it's been on every single, like there's very few things other than, I guess, Super Mario that you can say um, 
have been on every single console. I, I wonder, so that means that there was a version on the Game Boy, the original Game Boy? Yes. Yeah, there was, actually. Which would have been really hard because I think color no factor pretty... Shades of yeah. Just shades of gray. Or, yeah. or, or greenish gray. Yeah. <laughs> that that would have been nightmarish to I try have and it. play. I haven't even <laughs> yeah. played it, though. I'm afraid to play it. Yeah. yeah. But there, yeah, there is actually one on the Game Boy. Um, it was also released on um, two cabinets, arcade cabinets. So whereas there was the Nintendo Versus cabinet and the Play Choice 10, mm-hmm. the, the great Play Choice 10. Um, and then, yeah, and like you said, it's, uh, they exist in, as mini games in WarioWare Inc., uh, Mega Micro Games, Brain Age 2, and Brain Age Concentration Training. So mm. it's been in all those games as well. So, yeah. Brain Age 2. Yeah, weird, I, they showed up in the Brain Age games, I guess. Huh. So, uh, and on the Super Nintendo, there wasn't an official Dr. Mario release, sort of like tying into what you're talking about, how it's sort of like tied into a different game. Yeah. There was a Tetris versus Dr. Mario game, which I absolutely love on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it's been there in some way, shape or form yeah. on everything. So it's pretty cool that way. Um, so the game was designed by Genpai Yokai. Uh, <gasps> the father of the Game Boy. The father of the Game Boy, the Game & Watch. Uh, the actual control pad, like the D-pad, he invented that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Virtual Boy and Rob and the Wonder Swan, which we were talking about yeah. where you were like, what the hell's the Wonder Swan? <laughs> so actually after, after he left Nintendo, he went to work for Bandai Games and helped them develop the Wonder Swan. So basically one of the most prolific hardware the, designers of all time. The godfather of development, I guess, for Nintendo. Totally, yeah, yeah. totally. He um, died in a car crash. He did. He died very tragically in his 50s uh, in a car crash where he actually, um, I was just reading this, but he pulled over, somebody was in a crash and he pulled over and then basically another person crashed into them and killed him. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really tragic, you know, way before his time, especially given, you know, how much talent and probably how much more he had to give. Like, it's too bad he didn't, he wasn't around for so many of the later generations. To make that story even sadder, um, he actually resigned from Nintendo after the Virtual Boy release. Yeah. And then that accident happened shortly after. Yeah, it was oh. it was only a few years after. So um, the Virtual Boy, it, actually, I did read, though, that um, in interviews since, um, it wasn't the failure of the Virtual Boy that made him leave. He had always planned to leave Nintendo uh, when he was 50, and he stayed on for about a year extra. Um, and, uh, but people said like, yeah, it wasn't this like, oh, you messed up, you're out. And, uh, it, um, people close to him actually said after he, he advocated that they didn't release the virtual boy. He didn't think it was ready. Um, but what they did is they kind of rushed it out cause they wanted to start development on the N64 and they didn't want to, they didn't want to kill it, but they didn't really have time to finish it truly. And so they kind of released it kind of half baked. They were afraid that the virtual boy was going to steal the thunder of the N64. <laughs> no, they <laughs> just wanted development f- costs. Yeah. It's they like, just yeah. wanted can't to put our resources off. into this. Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> wanted to finish off one job before they began the, the other. And they, they knew the potential of the one was much greater than the potential of the other. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, he, I guess he, he advocated that it wasn't released and as we all know, um, probably shouldn't have been. Now, beloved by collectors, though. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, the uh, producer was Takahiro Harada, who produced a bunch of the Metroid games and also worked on Super Mario Land. And then, uh, the music, like I said, Hirokazu Tanaka, which uh, I'm stealing everybody's thunder here because we're all going to have this guy, but um, <laughs> his nickname is Hip or Chip Tanaka, which I think is great. I love both those. Did both you those read about why he had to change his name to, to Chip? No, I didn't. Oh. Fill it in right here. Oh, it, it's not a it's not a great story. It's just basically that he was it was much later when he was actually playing like gigs in Tokyo, and a friend suggested he change it from uh, 
hip to chip just because he didn't want it to be associated with his Nintendo days, which hip oh, to Naka okay. was very like Nintendo. associated with his Nintendo time at Nintendo. So. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, so he scored uh, Metroid, K- Kid Icarus, Super Mario Land, Tetris, Mother, Earthbound, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, Marker Bill's Trick Marker Shooting. Marker Bill's Trick Shooting, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, designed and coded the audio hardware for the Famicom and the Game Boy and co-designed the NES Zapper, the Game Boy Camera, and the Game Boy Printer, and then later is now president of Creatures, Inc. that owns a third of the Pokemon license. So they've done a bunch of the weird offshoot Pokemon games. I'm actually stealing notes from like much, much later in the podcast for future episodes for mine, and I also was going to mention that he also composed the songs for the Japanese version of the Pokemon anime. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And so, like, and even though we never got those versions of the songs here in the West... Um, they're like super popular over there, of course, being associated with Pokemon and been remixed, to, uh, you know, a billion, a billion ways, times. So. Yeah. So anyway, so I just wanted like, I was just reading about this game and I'm going through just these three individuals and going like, well, there's no way this game could have failed. They could have made anything. They made Dr. Mario, but they could have made, you know, I don't know about that. I have a lot of the same people on a list on a, on a specific game that I'm going to talk about, and I think the game is crap. Well, <laughs> I was reading that like in these early days, they didn't have like sales quotas to fill. Basically, it didn't matter whether the games were like successful or not. They were just had like free range to do whatever the hell they wanted, the and make West. whatever the Wild West, make yeah. whatever game they wanted. There was no pressure on them to actually perform. There was like, not really a formula before because the existing formula that came before whatever they were creating was the video game crash. Like yeah. they were really starting with a clean slate. They they could do whatever they wanted because they were revitalizing the industry like on the spot. Mm-hmm. Totally. But yeah, but anyway, these three gentlemen, crazy, you know, crazy list of achievements, all unbelievably skilled, unbelievably skilled. So that, and they came together to make Dr. Mario a great game. So what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they came together to make Dr. Mario. So, and many other games as well as, you know, just from that rundown, you can tell they, they uh, crossed over on a lot of different projects. So anyway, Let's have a listen to the music, and then we'll talk about a few things after.
I was reading that direct quote. What they were talking to uh, um, the creator of Metroid, and he, he was saying that basically, like everyone at Nintendo hated his compositions for Metroid. This was Hip Tanaka. They hated his compositions for Metroid. They thought he was going too dark. He didn't want to do anything that was melodic, right? So he's doing all this like weird experimental stuff. Everybody hated it, but they let him do whatever he want. And he basically said, like, we had no quotas to fill. Even though people hated it, they let us do whatever we want. Yeah. That's crazy because when like Nintendo was like, had their seal of quality and stuff, right? Because you th- you but, would think people would have been cracking down on them, but I guess internally... Yeah, it was an internal team, Yeah, right? they were, so, yeah, they were they, kind of free-range. Yeah, they could do whatever they wanted. <laughs> oh, I mean, have... obviously, the game Metroid turned out to be pretty Amazing. popular. Yeah, so. that, exactly. that was pretty common because uh, one of my favorite composers, Tim Fallen, he's pretty well-known for his crazy, insane, like, epic-long, non-looping NES old school computer music and you like look at some of the titles that he composed for and there's like Pictionary and it's like he's got like a five minute unlooping just <laughs> Lord of the Rings-esque like intro <laughs> this to This is my magnum opus. To Pictionary. Pictionary. It's, <laughs> like, it's like it's like hey Tim we need you to uh, make the intro for Pictionary or or this other game and he'll ask like well what's the game about and it's like oh don't worry just do <laughs> your thing. Probably do your said thing. like Pictionary takes no room in the cartridge you have half the cartridge to work with <laughs> yeah fill it with music. Exactly. Yeah and he went Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> it just went crazy. Yeah, I love that. All the Nintendo stuff like that is great. Yeah, yeah. All all the old Nintendo facts are always fun. Mm. But uh, anyway, I wanted to talk about the the two player mode of uh, Doctor Mario, which is um, kind of the the birthplace of like the competitive match three sort of thing, where the better you do, the harder it is for your opponent. Because Tetris didn't have that, did it? Nope. It was just a race. So uh, it's um, it's best of three or first two, three, sorry, yeah. in Dr. Mario. And then, yeah, so the better you do, um, once you start eliminating bigger groups of viruses, um, like just single pills will drop down. Like, so not two pieces, just one color, but they'll drop down like randomly on your opponent. So if they're trying to line something up, all of a sudden their plans are totally out the window. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if... Oh, go you, ahead. Oh, you have to create a combo chain on your end. So like you kill a, a virus and then you're... Your like after pills kind of like spill down and create a combo, and then the bigger the chain of the combo, the more garbage you send over to right. the other did, player. Did not the original Tetris do that though? I'm pretty sure that that was a Tetris thing as well. Yeah. So in Tetris, was it not that if you got a Tetris or a huge score, that the player two the um, would get the garbage, garbage the garbage underneath would rise would rise up and yeah. rise up. That's what yeah. I remember yeah. too. Okay. That actually that was I don't know if that was the way in the original Tetris arcade, but the Game Boy version of Tetris, if you had the link cable and played the Mario Luigi like on the original Game Boy, which is the most you know well known version of Tetris, that's yeah. what it did. It did go up, and I think it would go up by like it would actually go up and leave one gap in there. And I think it would like leave them in the same place. Yes. And then it would like swap over to a new place. The gap was based on where the opposite player um, put their final piece. So mm. if they put like a weird L shape, then the other player would get um, everything but that L piece. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like they would get whatever. And the version I played, that's how it was. And I think that was on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so it did do it, but it did differently. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. coming up from the bottom instead of coming down from the top. Yeah. Which I would argue is worse coming down from the top because it's wrecking your plans, right? Mm. Whereas the bottom is just like, okay, there's more well, crap on the bottom. It's just making it more hectic. And it's exactly. making it more frantic yeah. because yeah. things you're losing up space. And, yeah. Yeah. and the other thing, if you're a super competitive Dr. Mario player, as soon as your <laughs> pill drops, you know where you're going to put it. So oh, you yeah. hold down the, the D-pad and then you drop it like rocket speed. But when you send garbage to the other person, you can't control how fast or how slow those that pill garbage falls down. Yeah. So you're sitting there waiting and it's like, dope, dope, dope. 
Yeah. And you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just going at normal yeah. speed. Oh, yeah, that's so. that's actually worse than getting the garbage. It's like it slows you down. Yeah, mm. if you ever actually watch like the competitive like Tetris or like Dr. Mario players play, it's blinding. Like they, you can't understand like they just they know exactly where everything's going to go. It's kind of like when you watch like the Rubik's Cube guys mm. who like have like can do it blindfolded because yeah. they memorize the sides and just go. It's like, it's there's probably like a specific pattern that the pills actually appear in and they know it up to like the first 300 pills or something. Yeah, something crazy <laughs> like that. I don't know. I, okay. I think it's randomized, but I think it's just like they look at the board and they're like, okay, if I get it in this, like if I get yeah, this 17 pills this way, to, I'm going to do it this uh, yeah. way. If I get 17 pills that way, I'm going to do it this way. And it's just like they just draw. Yeah, like you said, but, everything's a hold down. So it's it, just left down, 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 down. But it's not just about what the next pill is and putting it in place. You're setting up combos. Yeah, for chains. Things. It's yeah. like it's like Tetris when you're setting yourself up for a Tetris. You're like fingers are crossed that you're going to get the long skinny piece and you never <laughs> get it. Right? Exactly. So it's the same thing in Dr. Mario. You're setting up chains and all it takes is one domino block to knock over the yeah. whole thing and you may not get that piece so it's yeah. kind of the same thing and then obviously dr mario and tetris and you know a dr mario i was reading to like when it first came out a lot of people actually accused it of being like a, a like a weak tetris or like a, just a copycat game but i think it is different enough yeah yeah that it, it, it's, it's its own thing well i was gonna mention too there was this game i used to play it was a massively multiplayer online thing called puzzle pirates and i don't know if i've mentioned it on the podcast before but the idea of it is is that it's this online game, a whole bunch of people, and you form pirate crews and you sail around the seas, sinking other ships, getting treasures, getting into sword fights, you know, owning land, that kind of stuff. It was a big, intense online community. And all of the actions were were puzzles. So when you're sailing the pirate ship, there's people who are working the sails. There's a person doing the navigation. There's a person working the bilge pumps. There's And you, and the better the people perform at their various puzzles, the faster the ship goes, the better the ship actually performs. And then when you get into these big sword sword battles, which are essentially a version of Super Puzzle Fighter, when you do that yeah. and you fight against each other. I was but actually going to bring that up. But one thinking. of the uh, games on there, sailing specifically, was based on Dr. Mario. Oh, okay. So it was like Dr. Mario, but with a much wider board. And you had groups of two things, like... Um, pills would fall with like groups, groups of two colors and you yeah. have to match them up exactly Dr. Mario style. And I used to suck at getting combos in Dr. Mario, but that game sailing in that game taught me to be awesome at that game. Oh, so you got, you got super good. I got super good <laughs> because I had to perform to make my ship sail fast. Now you have to go back and play it on Game Boy and be <laughs> like, let's see if I'm really good. <laughs> when there is no color, I just have to rely on shades. I was going to say, I don't know if you've talked about pirate puzzle on the podcast, but mm -hmm. I think you talk about pirates every episode. <laughs> Do I? I probably should. In, in some, in some capacity. No, I, yeah. I know you've mentioned it, but maybe uh, not on yeah, the podcast. We've talked, to it, we've talked about it, but I don't think yeah. we've talked about it on puzzle the podcast. Puzzle pirates specifically. It's, uh, Sounds you know, familiar. The game is still around. You can actually get it on Steam, but yeah. it's, cool. it's a different beast than it used to be. Is it local multiplayer? Cause I would love to play that. Well, I mean, it's no, it's, it was a Java game originally. Oh, so it, okay. and it was always online cause it's a persistent online world, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, you don't have to interact with anybody. You don't have to join a crew. You could hypothetically just go and like sail around with the Navy and still perform the puzzles. But, you know, it's, it is still an online game. Cool. But yeah. Awesome. And you just brought up Super Puzzle Fighter. I think it's like, it's Super Puzzle Fighter HD Turbo Remix or something <laughs> is the full name because they were basically making fun of making themselves. Making fun of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But that is kind of my personal favorite. Um, like iteration of these Dr. Mario Tetris style games. I, I love that one. It's so much fun. Um, my buddy set up a Mame arcade like one night just for fun and we were just going through, you know, 
thousands and thousands and thousands of games and we were just like what's super puzzle and we we just <laughs> dropped in on this one and we were like this game's the shit and we yeah. played it for hours and it was great yeah cool. super fun and like that's the same mechanic the better you do the bigger your combos the harder it is for your opponent so mm-hmm. and that that one there's even more strategy because stuff drops down in patterns and so if you know that your opponent's trying to take you out, you can kind of prepare for it and stuff. It's crazy. And that's actually what made the Puzzle Pirates version so interesting is because you basically have like six people versus six people all playing... Oh my God. Yeah, all playing (laughs) Super Puzzle Fighter. And so you team up. If your team is doing better, you're sending more garbage to the other team and you can target specifically who you're sending that garbage to. So you can say to everybody on your team, all right, target this one guy. He's weak. if you all get combos, that screen is full instantly we, so yeah. we need to do um a puzzle <laughs> episode because i want to keep talking i want to talk about yoshi on nintendo and wario's yeah. woods or pokemon uh puzzle is it pokemon puzzle Fighter? pokemon puzzle league puzzle, puzzle league. league that's yeah. it yeah sorry which I'm i found in a up. winners for like five bucks yeah but, actually i just picked it up or jordan picked it up yeah. for me at uh the last expo yeah, yeah. um but yeah there's a yeah, that's a good one. Well, we'll, we'll okay. <laughs> puzzle games. Pu- puzzle that'll, episode that'll is be coming. a big one. Puzzle yeah. episode's coming. So, uh, Jordan, go ahead. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, so, from uh, I think we've mentioned all of the same guys already, but uh, I'll just reiterate from the producer that uh, created the Virtual Boy and the composer of Barker Bell's Trick Shooting. <laughs> Which we with, love. With a team like that, you know the game has to be awesome. We have the classic, the cult classic, Kid Icarus, an Angel Land story. Is, oh, is, is that the full title? That's the, that's, well. Is there a colon? Um, is it Kid Icarus colon an It's Angel on the Land main story? screen when you start up the game. It's not actually oh, okay. on the cover of the cartridge, but. <laughs> an Angel Land story. That's Angel terrible. Story. You know what? I booted it up a couple days ago uh, for the first time in a long time, and I saw that Angel Land story, and I just, I just kind of laughed to myself. I'm like, that's cute. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think this game is actually kind of horrible, but <laughs> it's super fun. So it's like you have to sort of forgive it for the era that it came out in. Um, sort of going through my research, I realized the development was super rushed. They had just finished Metroid. So you'll see um, if you dig through the credits, it's a lot of the same people, producers, composers. We already mentioned that. So it's pretty much the Metroid team right on the heels of creating Metroid. Whatever energy they had left, their fumes (laughs) were used to create this amazing game. (laughs) So... So much sarcasm. <laughs> I, I've I've had a vendetta against this game for for my whole life because as a kid I could only I, I think if I was lucky I beat stage one and then maybe t- like in my teens I got to the end of world one and then like maybe ten years ago I played again and I got to world two and <laughs> and then I started like I I said I for the podcast I got to beat this game I got to figure out how far I can get let's let's do this. So um, last week I played through the whole game and happy to say I beat it. And no game genie or anything. Well, there's <laughs> infinite lives and there's a password system. Oh, yeah. So if you're patient, you can eventually get through it. But what I realized is that once you get partway through World 2, which always seemed to be the part where I got hung up on, the game actually gets really, really easy mm. if you're farming and if you're you know, equipping all your items and stuff. But the, the, the one thing that I did do this time that I've never done in my entire life was look up what all the items are for and what they do and like what they're about. I think that was always my biggest hang up with Kid Icarus is that I never knew what the hell I was getting things for or what anything did. Yeah. Now, yeah. was this something you could have looked up when you were younger yeah. or not? Well, was it in the, yes. was it in the instruction booklet? It would have been in the instruction book, but I don't think I ever 
own the game as a kid. Oh, okay. Um, just and rentals when, and stuff? And then eventually when I did own it, it was just the cartridge loose. Yeah. No instruction book. Yeah. But um, a lot of the online tutorials and guides, like they look like printouts of the manual. Okay. Um, so for those that don't know, Kid Icarus is, is primarily a vertical platformer, which kind of a rare genre, but that I really like the vertical platformers, but it's also a horizontal platformer. It's also a dungeon crawler and it's also a side scrolling shoot 'em up. And all four of those genres are not combined, but separated based on the level. So world one is like you go vertical and then the boss level is a dungeon crawler. So now it's like become like a Zelda two type game where you're going through dungeons, trying to find the boss. Um, world two is horizontal but the boss level, again, dungeon crawler. World three, back to vertical. And world four, the final world, is um, side-scrolling shooter. <laughs> For some reason, I was suddenly reminded of Contra because of it's like, you're just doing a regular platformer. Now it's a vertical platformer. Now you're yeah. inside of a building, and it's like first person. And and you think, again, just like Contra, sort of like, you know, layering all the different genres to add more content doesn't necessarily <laughs> make it better. Nope. But uh, <laughs> I found a lot of problems with the game. For one... Um, the leveling up, how hard it is. World one is really hard. Level two, world two is almost impossible. But if you farm your your hearts, you buy all the items. And if you know what you're supposed to buy, by the time you get to world three, you're laughing and then world four is a joke. So, so just like a inverse difficulty curve. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe the team also got lazier as they went to. Well, that's the other thing. When <laughs> They're running on, on finer and finer yeah. fumes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard that the, the in the development, a lot of them didn't go home. They stayed in the studio and kept working. And um, the lead uh, director, developer of Metroid, he was on holidays after Metroid, probably rightfully so. And they hauled him back into the development of Kid Icarus immediately after his vacation and had him try to correct a bunch <laughs> of the issues with the game. So I'm not, I have my problems with the game, but I kind of feel like it could have used a little more time. Yeah. Again, this is the 80s. You, you got to forgive it a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, that means there's like 10 people working on the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. yeah. And a lot <laughs> of these... short credit lists. A lot of these people are like the godfathers of some of the most amazing games of all time. Yeah. But unfortunately, but if, you, if you give them If you give them no time and no sleep... They make, you know, you're they not make it a great product. <laughs> well, they make Kid Icarus, which is still a cult classic. Yeah, yeah. people love Kid still Icarus. still a great game, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's listen to some Kid Icarus. I'm going to pick the only song that uh, I ever heard for the longest time, <laughs> and that's the, uh, the Underworld theme from Kid Icarus. Let's take a listen.
everything I know of Kid Icarus comes from NES Remix. Like, that's the only place I played Kid Icarus that I enjoyed it, was the remix. Well, stuff. I'm glad you brought it up. It's uh, it's actually in NES Remix 2, which is a new game on the Wii U. Um, when I got to the final boss of Kid Icarus, I realized that I had already beaten the boss, even though I had never gotten to the boss, and that was thanks to NES Remix 2. One of the challenges is to beat Medusa, the final boss. So luckily, uh, you know, I'm, I've worked this hard to get to the final boss, and I, I'm already thinking the game's getting easier and easier by the moment, and then I get to the final boss and realize I've done this before. And you've practiced it, and not only practiced it, but probably, like, tried to get super fast at it, too. Well, and that part of the challenge is that you have to do it in one turn. Yeah. So obviously, I beat Medusa in my first time playing it and realized, <laughs> well, uh, that was that was great. Thank you, NES Remix. Mm. The, uh, the only thing I was going to bring up, so uh, Kid Icarus, the first time I ever heard of Kid Icarus was when it was in Smash. Yeah. Pit. In Brawl. Yeah, Pit um, showed up in Brawl. And uh, we kind of all saw the character or whatever. And then we're, who's Pit? Like, where does he come from? Go back, find He's Kid from Icarus. an Angel Land story. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and find Kid where Icarus. Where he fights an eggplant? And yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my friend got obsessed with Kid Icarus. And he's like, I am beating this game. And I think... I can't remember if he emulated it at the time or he actually went out and found the cart, but he was like, I got to beat this game. And he did. He, this is uh, one of my friends. He was kind of the guy who kind of brought me back to gaming in high school. Like I had always gamed a bit, but he was really into it. And so when we became friends, um, I became a much bigger gamer. And so, yeah, it was all, all smash. That's like, that was my very first introduction well, to Pit. And like, who's this weird angel character? But I guess that, uh, that 3DS game that came out, is it 3DS? Uprising. Yeah, it's supposed to be quite good. It's supposed to be, but again, I, don't, I haven't played it. I just know I just know this abomination of a game. But uh, <laughs> Maybe if you want to go back and play like a good Kid Icarus game. Well, yeah. I mean, um, we all have 3DSs. We, I'd, I'd give we it do. a shot. I hear, I hear it is actually pretty fun. Uh, so I just, for fun, I threw in, uh, as you already heard, the Reaper theme at the end of the song because it's uh, a painful reminder of what most of us know as, you know, the probably the end of, your playthrough of the game after you hit the reaper after 10, five, 10 minutes of playing, you probably threw down the controller and stopped playing. <laughs> yeah. But just real quick um, on the topic of the reaper, there's a lot of ridiculous villains and bad guys in the game. And one that we already brought up was the eggplant wizard, which apparently goes to credit to the guy that uh, developed Metroid. He, it was his idea. He came back from vacation. <laughs> he and kept said, trying to put eggplant wizards into Metroid. <laughs> and they're, they're like, like no, it just doesn't you fit. can't. Um, He's like, all right, I'll put them in Kid no, Icarus. And no, everybody Ridley was too was sleepy to fight him. Um, and I guess as an homage to Metroid, they actually put Metroids in Kid Icarus, which I didn't know until I played through the game in World 3. I was like, are those freaking Metroids <laughs> flying after me? I'm like, there's Metroids coming. So that's kind of neat, Yeah, the Metroids. <laughs> Again, it may, is it an homage or is it like a symptom? Of <laughs> yeah, running out. We're really tired. We have the code for this. Let's just copy yeah. it. And you know what? That's Art's done. That, the code's yeah. done. Throw it in. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what it is. I <laughs> it might it be. Back. It might be. No, no, no. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, to anyone that grew up in the '80s and '90s, you might be familiar with a little cartoon called Captain N, the Game Master, which features both the eggplant wizard and Kid Icarus, or I should say Pit, but in of course. The show, they call him Kid Icarus. Yeah. His name was always Pitt, and he talks like an idiot. Everything well, he says is like, 
excuse me, princessicus, do you have the timacus? Everything about that show was super annoying, except for the villains. The villains were good. Perfect. The heroes were terrible. King Hippo, the eggplant yeah. wizard, Mother Brain, Donkey yeah. Kong. They yeah. were amazing. <laughs> but the main characters like Belmont, Simon Belmont. Oh, Mega Man. Mega Man. Ah, Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Horrible. I'm, I, I missed out on all this. So You're lucky. I'm probably better <laughs> off for it. But yeah, we, I was going to watch this at some point. Yeah. yeah. Pit, um, Pitt still talks like an idiot, though, in, like, Smash yeah. Bros. Nice try. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least he doesn't have that stupid Isicus at the end yeah. of every word he says. <laughs> nice try, Icus. <laughs> <laughs> they should have put that in there just <laughs> That would have been actually a good homage. Yeah. But anyway, Aaron, go ahead. What's your pick, buddy? All right. My pick is from one of my favorite games of all time. So the game is Zelda II, The Adventure of Link, one of the best in the series that is the least loved in the series. And also probably the most different. It is the most different. I mean, it's largely a side-scroller. Yeah. Different in a time where they were still developing the franchise, really. Still, yeah, just well, still deciding what it was going to be. Exactly. The thing is, is that in Japan, like, Zelda 2 only came out, like, less than a year after the original Zelda. So and Zelda came out, less than a year passes, Zelda 2 comes out. And it still fast. wasn't a couple of years until it launched in North America. There was a much bigger gap between Zelda and Zelda 2 in North America. And Mario was the most successful game at the time, so mm -hmm. why not emulate what's working, right? And uh, it wasn't even, I don't even know if it was specifically they were trying to emulate things, but they. But that was Miyamoto's sort of creed on it. It's like, we did this game, I don't want to do the same game, let's make this one as different as sort of possible. Cool. And it, like, it was a huge departure. It had RPG elements, there were like experience points, you could level up, largely side-scroller, and one of the weirdest things about this game that I didn't even know until I was researching for this podcast, but the legendary Koji Kondo, who's done music for the Zelda games since the very, very beginning, did not compose the music for this game. The legendary or the lazy unoriginal, the, the lazy Koji. unoriginal Koji Kondo, <laughs> who uses the same theme and slightly changes it for every single theme in the entire game. And I'm going to talk about that later in one of my you picks know, for the We're losing songs. listeners every time you guys say that, right? <laughs> as long as they know we're joking. Yeah. He's obviously one of the greatest composers of all time. And we yeah. love him. And, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I've, he, he, he's one of my later composers in a later pick for this uh, cool. topic. So. Very good. So this was actually composed by Akito Nakasuka. And uh, Nakasuka-san most recently worked on the latest Smash Brothers in a supervisory position. So cool. it's really interesting when you go back and you look at all these games. Like Adventure of Link was launched. I mean, most of my dates, I actually picked the North American release because we're mostly talking about the North American NES releases and not the Famicom releases. So I'm specifically talking about... It totally depends what NES. music you pick, yes. right? Did you pick the NES or well, did you pick the Famicom? In research for this, I actually listened to the Famicom versions yeah. of these songs for the first time to see how different they were. Yeah. And almost every song in Zelda 2 is the exact same, except for the intro theme song, which has more instruments, is quite a bit different. Okay. Well, and there, you know, we'll just bring it up now, but there is quite a difference in the NES and the Famicom sound chip. Yeah, um, which was actually what surprised me about Zelda 2 was that other than theme song, every other version was spot on the same, exactly the same between really? the uh, between But Zelda like, two. could you hear the difference in the sound chip? Nope. Really? Sounded the same. Oh, wow. I've yeah. noticed that too. A lot of the Famicom versions are similar, but there you get the odd game where it's just like totally different. Like we talked about Castlevania 3 last month and uh, the whole soundtrack for Castlevania 3 is totally different. Uh, sorry, the same compositions, just instrumentation sounds totally, totally different. Totally different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, 
this was developed at, uh, we talked about, I think, R&D 1? R&D 1. Yeah, it was this, this Dr. Was, Mario, yeah. And Zelda 2 was actually developed by R&D 4, so Nintendo had all their Have you guys ever seen 2 or 3? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they <laughs> maybe were hardware divisions or something. And yeah. Two, and 1 and 4 were uh, the software divisions yeah, or something. Yeah, I wonder because maybe, maybe. Uh, later this month I'm going to talk about IRD, and I wonder if maybe by code they went by 2 or 3 or something. Could have been. Who knows? Could have been. But it's a, it's a funny, unoriginal sort of way to label your, you know, these are, these are, they're making the classic games of my childhood. These are the games that everybody loves and knows. We just call them Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> R&D 4. So, um, also, I mean, Nakasuka-san um, composed some other of my favorites for on the NES, like uh, Excite Bike, Ice Climber, and Punch-Out, which I believe are all three of those are also on the NES. Uh, Remix. Classic. Yeah. Oh, yes. The, yes, yes. the, the mini console that we're. And they're on the remix. Too. And they're on remix. Yeah. I, wa- I was going to pick Excite Bike, but it has so little music. <laughs> but what it has is so good. It does. And, you know, it's funny for me, even going back and listening to Zelda 2, how little music there actually is in the game. There's maybe like four or five themes in the game, and everything else is just sound effects. Yeah. It's, it's, that's kind of a thing, especially in the early NES and Famicom lifecycle. There wasn't a lot of music in a lot of these games. Mm. Like there was two, three tunes, maybe. Um, but you, you know, gave but, us and, but then when you get later, later on, like when you get into the Mega Man's and stuff, they had tons of music. But yeah, and but early on, it was kind of almost seemed almost like an afterthought. Yeah, very light, and even the songs that are there like loop very quickly. Like exactly, I, I yeah. really wanted to pick like my favorite song from Zelda Two. Actually, is the Great Temple theme, which is not the song I picked for the podcast. I was listening to the Great Temple theme and. There's not much to it. It loops very quickly. It's actually a very, very simple song. And I'm like, I could pick this because I love it, but there are more interesting songs in Zelda 2 to actually... uh, Sorry, I was going to ask, is that the theme that plays in Melee in uh, Hyrule Temple? Um, No, in Hyrule Temple, it plays the standard dungeon theme. Okay, because I was going to say that's one of the greatest things to come out of Zelda 2 is that theme is awesome. Actually, no. Uh, Let me think. Sing it for me. Okay, that is the Great Temple theme. Is, that yeah. is the Great Temple theme. And because I think they use that both. Out of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think they use both of them in the Smash Brothers songs at some point. Yeah, like, there is an alternate track for the dungeon. It, for sure. Actually, yeah. in Melee, it depended. Um, it was randomized, but if you held down a button, you could change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, if you held down the button, you got the Fire Emblem music, okay. which I loved. <laughs> and then that was the first time I heard of Fire Temple. Anyway. Like, but yes, in answer to your question, that was the Great Temple theme, which I love. I cool. love the original, and I'm, I was glad to see it actually get some love much, yeah. much later. But Sounds great. But you I didn't get, pick it because it, so it, it was so short? I didn't pick it because it was so short. Okay. And I thought the, uh, I actually picked the uh, village theme, which is the song that plays anytime you enter a village or a town in the game. And But one consistent thing about all the music in Zelda 2, and this is what sort of has endeared me to this music all this time, is that it has a very unique sound that I never heard in any other NES game since. It's got this very twangy vibrato kind of sound. Yeah. I almost every time I'd hear this sound, it would remind me of somebody was like playing on a crystal or something, almost like you're just like pinging a crystal and it's got this sort of like clear resonance resonance. And then, then every single note, like every song is just infused with this very, very prominent vibrato on, on everything. And it's, it's, it's sort of really stuck with me. And every time I hear a song, that uses like a similar sound or similar vibrato, I am immediately drawn to that song. Like it's like. You bring up a good point because I can't think of any other game that has that sound, you know? Yeah, they never, like nobody ever seemed to do that again. Maybe you're the only one who liked it. (laughs) Because the song you're going to play for us 
is a perfect example of that sound. And not only that, but you listen to any song on the Zelda 2 soundtrack and they're all full of that same sound and yep. like you never heard it anywhere. It's almost like the composer, who again, not Koji Kondo, um, was was experimenting, came yep. up, figured they could make the sound chip, chip do this awesome vibrato. It's like, look what I learned how to do. Yeah, yeah. And then so they just did it for everything. <laughs> It, it feels that way to me, but I love it. Like I was going to mention one of the songs that I first sort of heard something that sounded similar in is um, if if anyone's a fan of Radiohead, they have a song called Thinking About You. I don't know that song. I love Radiohead though. Yeah, it was it was on the uh, the album that had Creep on it. Well, okay. But uh, um, Thinking About You was, uh, it has this sort of like interlude in the middle where it's got this very, very twangy guitar and it sounds very, very similar to the intro music from Zelda 2. And like, I, I almost, love the song because of that connection. Almost kind of shaky. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's how I would describe it. It has a weird, <laughs> like, vibrate shaky kind of... Yeah, kinda. exactly, which is it's just sort of the vibrato thing. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, thinking about you is kind of like a slower, melancholy song. It's more like a ballad kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I also learned that, uh, I guess, it's it's about masturbation. So. <laughs> All right, just like Zelda 2. <laughs> <laughs> just like Zelda 2. Somehow. No. So anyway, on that note, <laughs> let's, let's listen, let's, let's listen to the... Speaking uh, of masturbation. <laughs> let's listen to the village theme from Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. To the house for healing, and yes. then and then, the, and then the door closes, and you don't see what happens, and he comes out of the house. Well, that's what's <laughs> hilarious. Is she's just like, 
She's like, come into my house. I can help you. And this is like beautiful woman in a red dress. And you could go into the door house, like you said, door closes, health is restored. But in every village, there's also like an old hag wearing orange where you go talk to her. And she's like, I can refill your magic. And you go into her house and the door closes and refills your magic. So Ooh. I assume the same thing's going on in there. Yeah. Link just really, he gets around. They're putting on the radio head and <laughs> singing about masturbation. <laughs> But that was, you know, that's always been the joke since the dawn of time is, uh, you know, <laughs> how does she refill your life? Yeah. And Zelda 2 was, yeah. was interesting because it, it like Zelda 1 had NPC characters that were very simple, but this introduced NPC characters in a much bigger way where you go to towns, they're walking around, you go in people's houses, they have information. And of course the uh, infamous, I am error. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where you actually encounter a guy who just says, I am error. And the speculation is like, is he a mistake? Is that actually his name? Like, what is... It's French. Yeah. <laughs> you pronounce it differently. Yeah. You pronounce error. Error. <laughs> and I always remember, uh, like, things that people say in that game. It's like, you go into the forest and you meet a character named Bagu, and he says, Bagu is my name. Show my note to Riverman. And then you go to Riverman, and he says, oh, you know Bagu? I can help you cross. But, like, stupid, stu- like, stupid simple dialogue, but I'll remember it my entire life. So. Yeah. Especially Is, the error guy. Do you think it, it was kind of like, like you said, it came out uh, less than a year after the original. Do you think it was kind of a rush development as well? Do you think like some of these are actually mistakes after they I, made I, it in? But no, I, I don't think error is a mistake because he's actually referenced later in the game. It's like um, you go like somebody talks about knowing error. And if you go back and talk to error, he has different dialogue. Oh, weird. So, I mean, it's not a mistake. He's actually like part of the story. Yeah. And, it, and Zelda 2 is interesting because <laughs> so it had that sort of backtracking where you could like talk to one person and it's like go back here for more information kind yeah. of thing. And Almost Metroidvania-ish kind of. Yeah. Not, it, not it, just well, in the dialogue way, the in the backtracking. And, and yeah, and that was sort of thing. Very Metroidvania in the sense that, you, you know, you go to dungeons at, at the end of, it's Zelda. So you, at the end, in the dungeon, you'll find an item and that item at, basically helps you, you know, get, get through that dungeon, dungeon and yeah. work through the next dungeon and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's still the classic Zelda formula and it, but it was just a side scrolling adventure. And I don't know, it gets a lot of unfair hate. I think it had a great for the time sword fighting mechanic where you actually could block shots with your shield and swing your sword for like low and high hits. And, and then Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. And then it also <laughs> had the downward thrust, which yeah. is one of the greatest moves ever in video games, the downward thrust from, from Zelda 2, which also is the pogo move from DuckTales. Which also which made was, it in the Smash Bros. Which also is why we have Shovel Knight. Yes. Which that. was, yeah, like basically the whole point of Shovel Knight is like, we love the pogo move from DuckTales. <laughs> so here's we, a game. So that, here's a game about that. Yeah. You, can, you guys couldn't see that, but Jordan's face just lit up so much. <laughs> I was pointing <laughs> at Aaron was, because I know I'm like, I know he's going to say Shovel Knight yeah. and Shovel Knight. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always said that. Like the, like the downward thrust was one of the best things about Zelda 2. And when I saw Shovel Knight, I, w- I actually uh, was one of the backers for the Kickstarter for that. And I remember looking at like the early stuff and I'm like, yes, they basically said, we love Zelda 2. We love... DuckTales. DuckTales. Yeah. Let's, make, let's make a game from those things. You were and thinking about it, and then you saw him do the down thrust with the yeah. shovel, and you're like, <laughs> buy 10 copies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yes, and uh, it had complicated sword fighting mechanics. It had magic. It had leveling up. Like, Zelda 2 is still a fantastic game. And if you're a Zelda fan and you haven't played Zelda 2, give it a try, because it's on almost every version, virtual consoles. Yeah, you, you know, can pick it up so, yeah. kind of everywhere now. Yeah, absolutely. So, easy to find. 
All right. So that is it for part one of episode 10 of VGM Generations. And now we ask Aaron, what have you been playing? Oh, it's my turn first. It's your turn first. Okay. Well, I've been playing two things and I'm going to skim over one of those very, very quickly just by saying I have been playing a little bit more of Overwatch. Yeah. <laughs> Which I... Because it's d- the Halloween time now. It's Halloween time. And that's why I'm playing Overwatch yeah. because All the, the cool Halloween update is and- out. And I'm going to tell my embarrassing story about the Halloween um, Overwatch update is that I don't care when the Christmas update comes out. I'm not going to care about any of that crap. But the Halloween what about, one. What about the it, Olympic one? <laughs> the Olympic one, again, I don't really care really? about the Olympic oh, I thought one. That, nah, I really like that. Whatever, the Olympic one. They did something better than this one than they did for the Olympic one, though, where everything was like you had to get it in a loot box to get it with the Olympic one. With Halloween, they're doing it a little better, is that you can actually buy all of the unique items as well, but it's like three times the price. So yeah, they're doing that because of the outcry from the uh, Olympic prize box where you yeah. couldn't buy anything and everybody was fucking livid about it. So. Yeah, it's it's nice to make things like super exclusive and super rare, but of course the Olympics only comes around once every four years. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Halloween comes around every year. So everyone will probably have a chance at this stuff again next year. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's good. I think that they give you the chance to buy it. Yeah. And even so, if it costs a fortune, yeah. at least you can buy it if you really want it. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool stuff. So anyway, one of the things is one of the characters I play as um, is Mercy. Yeah. And Mercy is a healer. Um, she's kind of got these angel wings. She's like a, a sexy version of Pit from Kid Icarus. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's not hard to be sexier than Pit. <laughs> no, can't be sexier than him and his toga. And then she has her like Valkyrie outfit um, so, that you can do. But yeah, but also, anyway, for the Halloween update, she's got a witch costume. Yeah. And I really, because I play as her quite a bit, and I really wanted to get that witch outfit. So I'm like, I'm not taking any chances. I'm going to buy loot boxes. And if you don't play Overwatch and you don't know, um, loot boxes are something you earn by leveling up in the game, but you can actually spend real money and buy these loot boxes. And then what you get out of them, you get four objects and they're totally random what you might get. Yeah, and there's all different levels. There's like, uh, I I don't know what all the classes are. It's the classes from WoW, but it's like elite... yeah, legendary, common, elite, legendary, common. Yeah. and so there's, and that just has to do with the rarity of that item, right? Yeah. So sometimes you'll get nothing. Sometimes you might get a couple of really good items. So, so was the which one rare? Yes, super rare? the which yeah, one is rare. a legendary one. So okay. it is super rare. And I'm like, I really don't want to take any chances. I'm going to buy loot boxes. So I bought like 25 loot boxes, something Ooh. like that. <laughs> which yeah, you're spending lots of money. <laughs> which so I, I don't remember how much that is <laughs> off the top of my head. Okay, okay. But I bought those 25 loot boxes. Opened every single one up. I got a lot of the cool skins. I got like uh, um, Junkenstein's monster, which is like a Frankenstein monster skin for one of the characters. I got um, like a vampire one. I got um, like the the Grim Reaper one. I got a whole bunch of really, really cool ones. Like, And you get things like emotes and poses and voice lines. I got a ton of Halloween stuff, great stuff, but I didn't get that one I was trying to get, the Mercy one. So then I bought like another 10 loot boxes on top of that. Have you opened even, all those up and then I'm like, I'm done. I'm done after that. And then I like came back two days later and I bought another 10 loot boxes. Are, are you even playing the game to try and get it? Well, that's the thing <laughs> is <laughs> my, my plan now is, is to, is to try. I don't have enough coins to actually buy it outright, but I want to like save up. And then at the end of the Halloween thing, if I have to, you're going to drop a hundred bucks, <laughs> drop a hundred bucks and then see, if I, can, boxes, see yeah. if I can actually purchase it with my coins by the end of the actual Halloween event. Cause that's the one, the one that I want yeah. is Even the, like, so- the only one I don't want, I don't have. And of the other Halloween stuff, I have almost 
everything now. So even with all those loot boxes you opened, you didn't get enough coins to buy it? No. Nope. How much is it? Well, I actually did use my coins to buy two other things. Uh, mistakes. And, but they, they, they were cheap <laughs> things, though. They were cheap things. They weren't legendary ones. Just I voice got, lines or something? No, well, what, I, what I wanted is I wanted... Um, Again, this is specific. If you don't know the characters of the game, you don't know what it is. But there's a sniper named Anna in the game, and she has a emote where she basically pulls out like a pumpkin full of candy, yeah. and she likes scattering <laughs> candy around. And I really like that one, so I bought that emote. Yeah. And I also bought, there's a character called Soldier 76, and his uh, Halloween skin is like not... It's not a rare one at all. It's super inexpensive, but it's based on Michael Jackson's outfit from the Thriller video. Oh, I haven't so even seen that yet. That's he's cool. all in red, and he's got like these black stripes, and then his face is all like white, and his eyes are dark, kind of like in a zombie way. So he's modeled after Michael Jackson from the Thriller video. So yeah, I had to have that one too. Great. Uh, so apparently, just to add on to this, I know you wanted to glaze quickly, but um, the witch outfit is like hugely popular. Like, oh yeah, oh, the yeah. best thing they've done in Overwatch since Overwatch released, according to the community. Like everyone loves the witch outfit, and I don't know if you. No, but the witch outfit was in uh, one of the trailers um, early on in the game when uh, the trailer with Winston, uh, when he's looking at his like big console, he's got some pictures of the Overwatch team that they like gave him when they were a team. And there's a Halloween one with Torbjorn and yes, and Mercy and Mercy in the that. witch yeah. outfit. So back when it's one of yeah, it's one of the short um, videos that they did, and yeah. basically Winston is reminiscing about exactly. Old times. And yeah. so yeah, that was like another big thing was everyone was like, oh, that costume's good. Yeah, and <laughs> and I want that costume because yeah. again, that's the character I actually play, and I got a bunch of. Cra- uh, costumes of characters that I don't play. Like I don't, I don't play as the Reaper ever, and I don't want it that. Like yeah. as cool as his costume is, I'll never get to see it. My, uh, uh, I wanted to say second favorite to the Witch one is like Mercy's is uh, Anna's. I love Anna's. The, I, the I like have Jack. Anna's too. Oh, did you yeah, get that one? I have oh, Anna's. That one's super cool. I really I also, like that one. I also like. I've got Zenyatta's as well, which is oh yeah, kind of it, it's similar in a way because it's kind of got like a skull face. Yeah, and I've also I got S- I Symmetra's, Zenyatta. which is a vampire. Yep. Did you get I, Hanzo? I no, I didn't get Hanzo. Is it like zombie Hanzo or something? It's like demon Hanzo. Demon it's basically Hanzo? he's very yeah. dark and he's got glowing red eyes. He almost yeah. looks like Dark Link kind of thing. Sort of. I I, I didn't get him, but I did get uh, Bastion and I got I got Junkenstein's monster. Wow. I got, well, so you did. Re- I even did, though I, you didn't get what you wanted. No, you did really. Good. I got a ton. <laughs> I got a ton of stuff of like the the legendary costumes. The only one I didn't get was the witch and um, Junkrat's Junkenstein. Doctor yeah. Junkenstein himself, Junk Junkenstein. which is totally, pretty cool too. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, like <laughs> this is. So let's let's talk about the game I actually want to talk about <laughs> instead. After 20 minutes yeah. of Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, that's the thing is you can't mention Overwatch because you'll get off on a tangent. I know Mike le- Mike loves Overwatch yeah, too. Yeah, don't, so. don't talk about Overwatch around me if you so don't want to talk about it for I, like at least an hour. I wanted to play, it's it's October and I wanted to play a scary game. So um, I was talking it's with November. a friend of mine. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. It's, it's October when people are listening to this, aren't they? No, it'll be November. It'll be November. Oh. Yeah, so... Just we're coming out of Halloween and in Halloween during October. (laughs) It is October now (laughs) and I'm playing my scary game time now. Yeah. So I was talking to a friend of mine and he was talking about this game Soma and it's on Steam and it is done by the same guys who did Amnesia The Dark Descent which is a fun game, and I played a lot of Amnesia. It's got this very immersive mechanic where you're like, if you want to open a door, you've got to like grab it with your mouse, and then you have to like swing the mouse, and then the door opens in real time. You can like slam doors and do stuff like that. You can pick up most objects and throw them. So it's immersive in that way. And this is a a horror game that is like a sci-fi thriller, and I'll just sort of set up the basic premise. I don't want to give away too many spoilers about it, but you're this guy from Toronto and you're in this uh, car crash 
and it leaves him with brain damage. So he's seeing the doctor. So what you do is you, st- you start in your apartment, you're going to this doctor appointment, you meet up with this doctor, and he's doing this doctor. doctor. And you even <laughs> you put that in air quotes, but uh, like it's totally that. Like he's in this office space that's like not set up, and you call him doctor, and he's like, no, it's just Mr. Munchie. <laughs> after, Munchie you're already, <laughs> after you've already made the appointment yeah. and you're sitting down in your like surgery chair, he's yeah. like, it's just Mister. Yeah, and he's like, he's 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 with the university, and he's yeah. going towards his doctor. He will, he be, will be a doctor, but he's not at this point. Sketchy. And, and and they set this all up. So you go in there for this experimental brain scan, and it's just like a brain scan, like getting your picture taken. So anyway, you go into this chair, and it lowers the brain scan thing on, and then there's like a flash, and then the thing lifts up, and you are no longer in that room. You're in this like sci-fi rundown apocalyptic. Like underwater underwater base and that's yeah. the thing you don't know you're underwater at first it just seems like a ruined sci-fi kind of base and then you realize that you're actually through the course of the game you learn that you're in this underwater base at the bottom of the ocean so you went to bioshock it, it's it's <laughs> it seems kind of influenced by bioshock okay. in a way i liked it better than bioshock but oh, wow. you know that's i didn't really like bioshock other than the sort of design of rapture that was pretty cool but this doesn't have the same sort of like retro feel mm-hmm. this takes place in the future basically it's like oh, okay. 100 years in the future. Oh, so you went forward. So you go forward in oh, time. cool. And I don't really know how much I want to give away just in case people play this because yeah. it's really interesting how things are sort of revealed to you, how you got here and what is actually going on. But it's very psychological, this this thing. And it, it's very existentialist. It goes into like the nature of consciousness and life and what does it mean to be like a human and all this kind of stuff. Oh, this sounds and good. It really goes into this very like, and, and the further it goes... Uh, uh, again, I really want to talk about specific stuff that happens, but if you're going to experience it, you know, it's... Yeah, as the story kind of unfolds, uh, in the quiet moments, you're thinking the story over in your head, trying to put the pieces together and figure out what the meaning of certain things are. And what, it's one of those games, too, is that you can basically, like, nothing is absolutely necessary. Like, around the world is scattered notes and pictures and information that fill in the gaps in the story, telling you kind of what happened, what's going on with the nature of this base, who the people were that were there, what they were doing. But you don't have to find all that. Like that's totally your own discretion if you do the exploration and find all that stuff yourself. So you can kind of skim over it and not get a sense of those parts of the story. You'll still in the course of the game get enough of the main story to know what's going on, like who you are and the main characters and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's one of those games where you don't have any weapons, you... If you encounter an enemy or a monster, you have to run, you have to hide. There are certain ones that like, basically it only senses you when you look at it. So you have to look away. So you can't look directly. Oh, yeah, you can't look terrifying. directly at it, but you can, you have to try and like look at it quickly out of the corner of your eye before it notices you. And then you have to hide and like, it'll, like a silverback gorilla. <laughs> and, and it's, it actually like does a really good job like amnesia of like actual dread. Yeah. Like true, true, terror. true, true terror. Yeah. And it, it's, it's quite scary. So. I, I do highly recommend it. And the story is really quite interesting because of this whole, like the nature of being alive and, and you know, what is humanity. Very philosophical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And does a good job at that. All right. So. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Um, so now we will mention the, uh, where to reach out, where to get a hold of us. So um, you can always hit us up uh, at, VGM Generations on Twitter or email us at the address vgmgenerations at gmail.com. And also, if you want to enter our contest for any game we talk about this month, so now we have Soma. Soma, yeah. Um, You can uh, can hit us up uh, and just retweet any of the tweets that go out about the podcast. So um, 
You'll get three tweets every time. iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Music. And uh, just retweet any one of those three tweets, and that's your contest entry. And you have a very high percentage chance <laughs> of winning that contest. Maybe, Maybe as high as one in <laughs> one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So if do, you're listening... Don't, don't, uh, like, don't decide not to enter just because you think, ah, lots of people will enter and I might not win. Yeah. No, it'll probably be you. You'll so. probably win, yeah. If you don't enter, my mom's going to win it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Jordan's mom has so many prizes. But, uh, yeah, if, uh, yeah, if you're listening and you want a game, a free game, just hit retweet one time. And, and sorry, you get a free game. for my own benefit here, are we only doing games that are mentioned in that specific episode? It's oh, the whole month. The whole month. So, so. everything so we talk about coming up. Over the course of the so month. So they keep, couldn't pick something from a previous episode. So. No, just November. So okay. keep listening. We're going to, you know, un, unveil more games all month. Yep. And uh, I guess, I guess too, like um, we have said on Steam, but I guess if somebody out there really wanted something on Nintendo, I think we. I think you can gift stuff through the Nintendo eShop. Yeah, we'll have so to the 3DS or the Wii U. Or yeah, what? yeah, for the 3DS or the Wii U. So if any of these old games we're talking about are available, I know. I know some of the ones I'm going to talk about coming up are, and I know Doctor Mario is. Mm. So um, if you wanted one of those, I'm sure I can make that happen too. So we'll figure yeah. it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. We'll make it happen. So if uh, yeah, if you want to win, just click one button one time and you win. So pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and that's it. So that's it for part one of episode 10. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.